Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the Gospel reading from Luke 11. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, as you guessed, the theme for today is prayer. In the Old Testament reading, Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah. In the Gospel reading, Jesus teaches his disciples and all of us how to, to pray. When Jesus does this, he actually gives us the very words for, for prayer. And then he speaks a parable about prayer and then gives us encouragement for us to pray. You see, brothers and sisters, when one believes in God, one prays to him. Faith is always dependent upon the Lord. So we always want to receive from him, and so believers pray. This is why prayer, then, is a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with God. However, in this conversation, God, our Heavenly Father, he speaks first. We, his children, we listen. Then we say back to him what he has said to us. Just as children learn how to talk by listening, so it's the same with us. So in Luke 11, Jesus, the Father's Son, teaches us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Now, another thing I have to say and make clear today is that prayer, are you listening? Prayer's not a bargain. Nor is it informing God of something that he's not aware of, like, hey, God, over here, hey, hey, it's me. I'm sick, in case you haven't noticed. I wouldn't mind feeling better, God, so could you please send some healing my way? Doesn't work that way. Jesus told his disciples, remember in Matthew 6, he said, your father in heaven knows what you need even before you ask. <laughs> so here's an important point then. God's name's holy. His kingdom comes. His will is done without our prayers. Ponder that for a while. God knows what we need. He does, really. He promises, promises to give us what's best. In fact, he even causes the rain and the sunshine to fall even on unbelievers. Again, that's in Matthew's gospel. So then why in the world do we pray? Well, I'm glad you asked. We pray when our heavenly, why, why pray, I should ask, why pray when our Father in heaven has everything covered anyway? Well, first he commands us to pray. That's the second commandment. Remember that? Using God's divine and name properly by calling upon it in every trouble, prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. And in addition, we pray because he promises to hear us and to answer us. The intro today, quoting Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. So there's the call, the command, and then the, the promise, I will deliver you. So prayer indeed is a holy conversation. Dear children coming to their dear father in heaven and saying, Abba, Daddy. And then the son insisting that the father listen to us. And the spirit packaging and delivering our words to the father. Now in Luke 11, please notice right out of the chute, I mean immediately, did you notice who's praying? It was Jesus who was praying. That's incredible. Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus is praying. I've got a hunch. But the text doesn't say. But Luke, in his gospel, makes this a very important point, that Jesus is always praying. But if there was someone who never needed to pray, it was who? It was Jesus. He knew, he knew the mind of God the Father perfectly. He and the Father are one. So why did Jesus need to pray? He was God in the flesh. 
In other parts of the New Testament, we see that Jesus then, here's the answer to the question, why does he pray? See, he prays for his disciples. He prays for the world. He prays for the, the church. Read John's Gospel, you'll discover this. That's a no-brainer, of course, because Jesus is our high priest and intercessor who prays for all of us. And because he prays for us, we are now able to, to pray. We pray through Jesus. Remember, growing up, Dad would always pray this way at the end of the prayers, through Jesus Christ our Lord, or in Jesus' name, see? So we pray through him. We pray through his sacrifice, through his blood, through his death and resurrection. That's why many Christians, as I just said, end their prayers this way, in the name of Jesus, or formally in church, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. In the text, please take note that Jesus teaches, I repeat, he teaches them how to pray. This is absolutely huge. This means that praying is not a natural activity like eating or breathing. Prayer must be taught by the Lord and learned by the disciple. The disciples recognize this, and so they come up to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray, just like John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. We don't know what John taught about prayer, but that doesn't matter, because the one in Luke 11, he is the one that is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus, in the text, gives us the very words to pray. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. Luke gives us five of the seven petitions. That's a perfect prayer. It embraces all that we need. Daily bread, of course, yes, enough for the day, each and every day. But surrounding that, surrounding daily bread, you have God's name and his kingdom, the divine and saving name by which we are claimed and saved, the kingdom that comes to us in Jesus' Good Friday death and Easter resurrection. Jesus teaches us to pray on the front end for the big stuff, the eternal stuff, the stuff that lasts forever, God's name, his kingdom. And in the longer version of the Lord's Prayer that's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, his will. And this has nothing to do with getting favors from God. I'm going to repeat that again, because if you pray that way, you're praying wrongly. This has nothing to do with getting favors from God. Instead, it has everything to do with his favor over us for Jesus' sake. May your name be holy, Father, on our lips and on our lives. Yeah, God owns us. <laughs> he owns us. He has stamped his divine name on us in holy baptism like a tattoo. So we are his children. We bear his name, and that name burnishes our lips like the hot coal that touched the lips of Isaiah in Isaiah 6. He opens our lips that praise might come forth. He claims our lives for his own that we might serve him without fear. Father, may your kingdom come. In other words, rule over us. Father, be our Lord as you already are. Overrule every competing rule, like the devil, the world, and yes, oh yes, my own sinful flesh that wants to be king. Yes, Father, Lord, your sons, Good Friday death and Easter Sunday resurrection over me. Let the word be preached and let it be heard by me. 
Let faith take hold of me and let love flow. That's why we pray this way. It's nothing less than the reign of Jesus over us. I mean, that's big stuff. That's eternal stuff. It's stuff that matters forever. Yes, all this comes without our prayer, but in praying we are reminding ourselves from whom it all comes. And when you're praying that God's name be holy and that his kingdom come, you're not so much praying to get stuff as you are praying that God would be gracious to you and establish his reign in your life. On the other side of daily bread is forgiveness and our being guarded against temptation. That's the agenda for prayer, according to Jesus. And he gives us the perfect prayer to pray, which means, which means, we don't even have to worry about getting the words right. Because let's face it, sinners that we are, we'd mess up even something as simple as prayer. <laughs> Another thing to note from the text is that Jesus then encourages us all to pray. And he tells a, a funny parable, I would say, of a person who has unexpected out-of-town company and is three loaves short at midnight. And so he goes and pounds the door of his neighbor who's already asleep. I mean, that's outrageous, isn't it? Of course it is. It's way over the top. But the point of the parable lies in the Greek word which got translated into English as, and you probably wondered, what does that mean? Impudence. Remember that word? But because of his impudence, he'll get up out of bed and give him the three loaves. That's better translated with the Yiddish word kutzpah. Ever heard of that? I suppose we Nebraskans would say guts. Our best friends, Ross and Eugene Rickley, are like grandparents to our children. And I know that Robin and me, we could go to their house and we could ask them for just about anything and they'd give it to us. That's not an exaggeration. But I can guarantee you that if I knock on Ross's door at midnight, he ain't open up the door. He'll say, go home, come back tomorrow. At the very best. But the point is, is that prayer is an act of sheer chutzpah, guts, like pounding on your neighbor's door at midnight. And the only reason we get away with this is that our father is that crazy neighbor. Our father is that crazy neighbor who actually listens to our prayers and petitions and doesn't mind the midnight intrusion. <laughs> in fact, he delights in it. He thinks it's great. But then, what parent doesn't like to hear from their kids any time of the day? Please also notice from the text that Jesus promises that prayers do not go unanswered. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. He doesn't promise that you will get precisely what you ask for or find exactly what you seek or that every door you knock on will be opened. Why? Because fathers know how to give good gifts to their children. Right gifts. Gifts that will bless and benefit the children. God in the text, through his son Jesus, promises the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And with the Spirit comes every good and perfect gift. You know that from the scriptures, don't you? So I dare to say that every petition of the Lord's Prayer is answered fully. His name is hallowed. His kingdom comes. 
His will is done. He sustains your life with daily bread. You are forgiven, guarded from temptation, delivered from evil. Every single petition of that perfect prayer is fulfilled in your life every single day. Uh, but maybe not in the ways you expected. But our expectation always falls so far short of what our Father in Heaven wants to give us. So brothers and sisters, when you pray, and especially when you pray the Lord's Prayer, don't think of prayer as something you do to get something from God, but something you do because you believe you already have everything you need and more. Don't pray to earn God's favor or to get favors. Pray because you have God's favor. Did you hear what I said? Pray because you have God's favor in Jesus. Don't pray as if you were coming to a king or some powerful political big shot. Instead, pray as children who come to their dear Father. Pray as Jesus your Savior has taught you, short, sweet, to the point. And remember this, prayer doesn't begin with you, it begins with Jesus, his prayer, his words in Luke 11, his sacrificial life and death, his resurrection, your baptism into him that makes you a child of God enables you to do what? <laughs> to knock on the Father's door at any time, even at midnight. He has to answer. <laughs> he has to answer because you are you're one of the family. How wonderful. Happy praying in the name of Jesus.